1: Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host Jack. Jack, how are you, mate?
2: I'm buzzing for this. We've got the uh, the one, the only, the world's leading expert in round <laughs> fantasy mock drafts. So, uh, no, I, I can't
0: wait. We've got Steve Thomas. Steve, how are you? I am uh, living the dream. And if, if I'm leading, it's only in volume. Let's, <laughs> let's make that clear. Yes. I win, by, I win by volume shooting. I'm the Kobe of mock drafts.
1: Yeah. Well, Steve, first of all, apologies. I got the times all wrong. Oh, um, no worries. You're in sunny LA, if I'm correct. Yeah, I'm in California, so everything's all good, man. Okay, good, good. So so tell us, why are you a Browns fan?
0: <laughs> I blame my father, actually. Um, I was raised in a... I mean, he grew up in the Otto Graham era, so he remembers, you know, all, them actually being champions. And so I was raised... When I, the year I was born was when the Bengals became a franchise, so there was no choice uh, when I was little. So I blame him. My brother and I always said, if he had just like you know beat us or something, we could go to therapy for that, but there's no cure for being a Browns fan. Um, now, I grew up in the uh, the first season I really, truly remember is the cardiac kids, so Brian Sype, Bernie Kosar the the era of the '80s, and so I blame him for making me a fan. But I have no one but myself to blame for being a season ticket holder for this long. I bought tickets in 1991, and that one is all on me. Um, my relationship with this franchise—it's like being the only person in a codependent relationship. You know, I just uh, <laughs> I, I, there's so many opportunities for us to quit, and yet we don't. Why? That this is my question. Why are you guys Browns fans? How did this happen to you?
1: Well, for me, it's very simple. My name's Paul Brown. There's no other team I can uh, support.
2: (laughs) Jack? Me, I love analytics. So the moment uh, Paul D Podesta came here, my heart was set, it was uh, was all done.
0: Oh, well, okay. So then uh, you have no one to blame but yourselves is what you're saying then, yeah. And Stephen, and Jack, how do you get that? Yeah, I have to ask you, Jack, because um, you're a counsellor. you you're a councillor. That's uh, that—that's correct. I've got that right.
2: Yeah. So local government in the UK. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so I'm—you know—obviously, I don't know the specifics of of uh, your system over there, but that's like what four steps below the Queen. You're like pretty close, right? <laughs> Not quite the same. Uh, no
2: l- line. Uh, it'd be probably about a million steps, but. Uh, <laughs>
0: I can't believe Wikipedia uh, steered me wrong. but Okay, all right, I was just curious about that. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen, how often do you get back up to Cleveland to watch the games? Uh, it hasn't been that often the last six or seven years. My daughter just went off to college last year. Uh, she was in high school and a teenager and involved in sports and, you know, all kinds of stuff. I was basically a full-time dad, um, and so I didn't get to go back. And, you know, let's be honest, there wasn't a lot of reason. To go back, Um, but I will be there uh, coming up uh, the Ravens game, October 7th. I'm going back, and I'm going to see some family. I'm going to try to go up Saturday night, because there's a few of uh, Brown's Twitter uh, pals that want to hang out and grab a drink. Cool. Um, And I'm hoping, one, I'm hoping they don't lose to the Ravens, because like everybody else, I hate the freaking Ravens. Um, but two, I'm also wondering that might be, unless things turn around, I'm wondering if I'm going to get to see, uh, uh, bakey bake, uh, under center. Um, week four, week five seems to be a popular guessing spot for a lot of people. That's far too early.
2: Far too late. Too
0: late. Far <laughs> too early. <laughs> All right. I,
1: see. you
0: know, as I said the other day, and I put out a tweet and it got a lot of heat, uh, and it got a lot of support. It got a lot of numbers. Um, his, that decision should be solely based on his readiness and preparation. It should have nothing to do with what Tyrod Taylor is or isn't doing. And for anybody else out there, I mean, let's be honest, barring some unforeseen March to a 13 and three season Baker's going to play this year. He's going to play plenty. It's just a matter of when. And personally, having watched 4,000 rookie quarterbacks jump in and immediately sink to the bottom of the pond, I would rather have them wait a week or two too long, then rush him, you know? I mean, obviously, you want to get it perfect. That would be the best thing to do. But if they're going to err, I would rather they err on the side of caution, especially in a season that, I mean, let's face it, six wins is realistically the ceiling. So why would you waste the next 10 years trying to get one or two extra weeks? It's, he's going to play. He's going to play plenty.
2: Yeah, my, my frustration just comes from if – Hugh won't give him any snaps in pre-season, won't give him any first-team snaps in uh, practice. It's like, is he only ever going to get out there when Hugh's sacked? Uh, Because if Hugh won't allow him to ever become ready by getting them first-team snaps, um, even in practice, then we'll never know until he steps out onto the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to inject Hugh into the equation, then, you know, we have to release all logic because, you know, who who knows what's going to happen there? I mean, the Hugh factor, I mean, we had this, Jack and I, you and I had this conversation back in January. Uh, Why, why is he still here? It's, it's, he's a complete wild card in the entire season. And if they fire him in the middle of the season, you've basically punted on yet another year uh, of development for the whole franchise. So, you know, who knows?
1: Well, Stephen, this is a Hugh Jackson pro-friendly show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I noticed that.
1: And it's quite simple. We, we want some consistency. That's what um, Jimmy said. Like, yeah. Let's give him the third year. And then the next manager, know they've
2: got three years at the Browns. We've, we've been consistent the last few years. We've consistently lost, and uh, I blame Hugh.
0: Well, th- yeah, there's a lot of... I mean... <sighs> I don't want to rehash this, everybody's done it a million times, but they were in a total teardown, and which means you're you're expecting a lot of losing. Yeah. But the mistakes that are consistently made that trace directly back to coaching, you know, the, the pre-snap penalties, the alignment problems, the, the the communication problems, it's I mean it all goes straight back to coaching. And, and the amount of water some people want to carry for this guy is just beyond me. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's, let's move on to a bit, something a bit more positive. Which person in the Browns organization would you most want to go for a
0: beer with? <laughs> uh, well for the last 10 years, that answer would have been Joe Thomas. Cause he'd have, he'd have brought the beer, um, or made it. I, yes, exactly. And he probably would have, you know, it would have been free. That's my favorite kind of beer. Um, <laughs> or served it in a restaurant, his own restaurant. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, who wouldn't want to, Joe's such a regular guy, you know, who wouldn't want to drink with him. But I, I, I assume you're asking about like somebody in the, in the off front offices. And for me, that would be like Alonzo Highsmith. Um, we're, we're roughly the same age, first of all. So we would, he would want to drink early in the evening and get to bed like me. You know, that's what us old guys do. Um, but also I grew up watching him in the eighties during the Jimmy Johnson, Miami hurricane uh, era you know everybody's seen the 30 for 30 on that and the stories in public about that group of Teams are pretty awesome. I would love to sit down and hear some of the off-the-book stories where he looks around and goes okay you can't tell anybody I told you this. Yeah. I would love to hear that kind of stuff from Alonzo Highsmith. Um, so yeah that would that would be my guess probably that would be my guy.
1: Mate, he's a good guy. He's, he says some good things at some a few press conferences and, um,
0: yeah, I'm glad that he's, he's one of our guys uh, reporting to Dorsey. Absolutely. Yeah, He's got. I mean, he's been around winning literally since he was a player for 30, what, 40 years, however long that's been now. So that's the kind of guy, if you're going to do this, which has become sort of a cliched phrase, change the culture. I mean, we've been hearing it for so long in Cleveland. If you're actually going to do it, he's the kind of guy that you would think would be a part of that.
1: Okay, great. And what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh,
0: none. I like my body parts. Um, I don't know. How about uh, like spleen or tonsils? Oh, those, interesting. Those don't do anything. Anyway, I'm glad. Or, uh, all right, all right. Uh, how about hair? Yeah, hair. I'll give up my hair. Hair grows back, you know. Sorry, Jack. Um, <laughs> don't be <laughs> i've I've never seen you without your hat yeah okay (laughs) um i don't know i'd give up a pinky toe probably
1: yeah come on stephen
0: nothing (laughs) nothing that dangles you're not getting me to go there i'm not giving up anything that dangles it's too precious (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and my, my last question for you is i hear on the grapevine that you're a
0: comedian at times yeah uh yeah that's supposedly yes so, who's your favorite comedian? Oh, golly, uh, that's a multi-layered question. Uh, Steve Martin was the guy who made me want to be a comedian way back in 1978. Um, actually, uh, Wild Crazy, the first album—that's how old I am—that I ever bought. Well, I mean, all my friends at that time, in 78, were buying like you know Kiss and 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 uh, I don't even remember who all else, but those were the big the big acts of the time. And I went out and bought uh, Steve Martin and memorized it um there was something just mesmerizing about a guy standing by himself and captivating you know he was playing arenas at that time two four six thousand people however many it was and I always wanted to be a comic well for guys working today oh my gosh there's so many um Brian Regan is fantastic John the late John Panette was a good friend uh and he's one of the best out there um, Brad Garrett is a very good friend of mine. He's uh, he's a fantastic stand-up. Most people don't know that. They only know him from Raymond. Um, golly, I, I don't know. There's a bunch, yeah.
1: What about um, the British superstar Ricky Gervais? Are you a fan or not? Oh, I love his stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, obviously the big things that he's done, but uh, I could watch uh, extras. I've probably watched that entire show, I don't know, 10 times. It, the, very the, very dry you know, sense of humor yes it's fantastic um i mean most you know most of us over here we get uh, you know monty python and ricky gervais and that's about it you know and i mean those are two great comedic you know groups to have uh but we don't get a lot of the other you know eddie azard or, or something like that it's, it's probably a little too deep for anybody who's not in the industry uh, but yeah i mean billy Connolly. Um, very funny, very funny guys from uh, over in your neck of the woods. Did did Ali G come across? Yes, Ali G did come across. Uh, I I think I watched it way back when, but I mean, yeah, Sasha. I mean, good grief. He, ups, he upset a lot of Americans, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's he's a genius, and if somebody's gonna get upset at at a. You're going to get me off on a tangent here. If, you, <laughs> if you're going to turn on a comedy program or go to a stand-up comedy show and you're ready to be offended, don't freaking come, okay? <laughs> don't do it. You're, there's something wrong with you, uh, okay? If you want to be politically offended, there are a million places to do that in our world today. Within the walls of a comedy club where if you specifically turn on a comedy show, that's not the place, man. Let it go. I like that. Well, anyway, let's find out more about um, – the Browns Daily Mock Draft. Can you tell us a little mm. bit more about this, please? Uh, well, it's insane. Um, it grew out of an idea in the 2016 draft. The 2016 draft, about a month before it, was when I first discovered the Fan speech Simulator. And I got sort of addicted to it in the last the few weeks. You know, I gets real frenzied, that, that run-up to the draft. And then, like, right after the 2016 draft, I read an article, and I can't remember where it was. It said something about... Um, how how wrong we were looking back a year after the 2015 draft, who we thought the top guys were going to be. And, and I just had this idea. I said, well, what if we keep track of it over a year? Because every year we do that. In May, we say, oh, these guys are the, definitely the top 10 picks of next year. And then like on half of them, are, we're always wrong because there's just so much air between now and then. You get the season, you've got injuries, you've got Unknown guys that come out of nowhere, you've got great players who are then drop off the face of the earth or whatever. Um, So I just said, I'm just going to do one every day. And so we can look back and trace the ebb and the flow and see where we were wrong and see where we were right. And I just thought it would be fun. And that first year I did over 300. I started like two weeks after the draft. And that was way too many, Um, especially during the summer, because from May to late August, nothing changes. So there's only one board. The rankings never change. The draft order never changes. So it's boring. So last year I, I – and this year I did it uh, – I just started. I start after week one, um, which is still, you know, insanely early. Um, but uh, we can look every week. We see how the Browns – you know, which position groups are playing the way we think they were going to, which are not, you know. And this this group has a lot of ifs. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that if they have good years, we're not going to need that position. You know, Desmond Harrison, of course, tops the, that particular list. If he locks down the left tackle position, that opens up a world of possibilities in the first round or two. Um, if he doesn't, then we, you know, there's really nobody out there in free agency at that position for next year. So it's got to be a target at the top of the drafts, which means we're going to miss out on a bumper crop of defensive linemen and cornerbacks. And it, it's all a big domino. Um, so as it goes along here, people will see different guys at the top of the list. Um, some guys, like one position group, like I'll say, well, yeah, okay. They're, they're going to take an interior defensive lineman. What if they take this guy first? What if they take that guy first? And that's what, if you're, if you're following me every day, that's what you need to, to understand. It's not predictive. I'm not predicting. This is how I think it's going to go, especially this early. That's silly. Um, but it's more of a, Hey, here's a group of guys that we might, we as Browns fans might want to keep our eye on, you know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons at Mississippi state, or, um, you know, obviously if, if we're in a position to draft Nick Bosa, something's gone really, really wrong, but something like that, you know, keep an eye on this guy, keep an eye on, uh, on Marquise Brown at, at, uh, at Oklahoma or whoever, and then watch him throughout the course of the year at this point in, in the process, that's all it really should be.
2: So, how often did you
0: take Baker Mayfield number one last year? Uh, Not particularly often, but not because I didn't like him. Uh, It was because I just didn't think they would do it. Um, He was – him, it's no secret I was a Josh Rosen guy. But I also, if you go back, there's plenty of evidence out there. There's tons of receipts. Rosen, but if they take Mayfield, I'll be thrilled. Because it was a good year to need a quarterback. There were four that I thought were worthy of the number one pick. So they just needed to pick their flavor. Um, I think I only picked him maybe a couple dozen times. And a lot of those were early. Jeff Lloyd and I, who I know is a mutual friend of ours, we took a lot of heat like in October and November for saying that Baker was worthy of the number one pick. And man, some people came at me and I have the receipts. You know, any GM that takes a six foot quarterback in the top 10 is going to get fired. You know, you remember. And, uh, and then they ended up doing it. So I didn't take them very much, but I'm completely thrilled with the pick.
2: Yeah, even me a week before the draft, I wanted Mayfield. Um, I always just thought it would be Donald. I didn't even uh, think that it'd be anyone else, but uh, I'm with I'm on. So here's the big question. For the first time ever, mm-hmm. you're not taking a quarterback with your first pick. Where are you taking your quarterbacks? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it is weird because, you know, they're 0 and 16 and then the year before they were 0 and 14 before they got the one. So I've doing this, I've basically been on the clock at one nonstop for two years looking at quarterbacks. And so it's very weird to me to be, I mean, they're 11th this week in the fan speak uh, order and to not be looking at quarterbacks. Personally, I don't think I'm going to take one. Maybe day three, you know, um, because I think they're probably, I mean, Tyrod's gone but uh, I think they'll probably try to keep Drew around for another year as a number three, a coach on the field, a personal caddy, mentor, whatever word you want to use. Uh, And then if you're just looking for, you know, a guy who can come in and play a couple games, there's always, there's guys out there every year that you can sign in free agency. Um, I mean, you don't want to count on them obviously, but there's always guys every year. And, And frankly, I don't know that the bottom half of this class uh, at this point anyway, is something we really want to be using a resource on Dorsey's history is the day three is where he finds the, the physical freaks, you know, um, the Jannard Avery's the, the, uh, the Tyreek Hill types. That's one of the things he's really, really good at. So I don't know if he'll do that. I personally wouldn't. I would I, I understand the theory of taking the quarterback every year. I, I get that. Um, but it's not something that I'm personally a fan of. I wouldn't do it this year.
2: Yeah, I'm only looking at either sixth or seventh round. Is if they right. see someone right at the end and they go, we quite like him, don't want to risk it as an undrafted free agent. And look at our seventh rounder this year, he didn't make the roster.
0: Right, exactly. So, yeah. A
1: similar question for you, Stephen is mm-hmm. where do you think we'll take RB next year?
0: Boy, that's an interesting question because I think the running back room is one of the most complete rooms on the current roster um we have three guys that do uh similar but different things and they all complement each other well um dorsey doesn't like to i mean nick chubb was the earliest yeah he was a second round pick but he was still the the, uh, fourth pick uh he doesn't like to do that he likes wide receivers and and running backs later in the draft uh based on athleticism so if they do, I'm going to, at this point, I'm going to guess day three, but I, I, they may not take one. They may just go the UDFA route with it next year.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So just expanding on that, which sort of three position groups areas do you think are our three strongest on the roster? I've got running back in one of my top
0: three. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I, I said uh, running back. And it's hard because, like we'd said before, there's so much if. You know, uh, there are a lot of question marks um, in the wide in the wide receiver room. You got uh, you know all of the questions with Josh Gordon and Antonio Callaway, and then there's young guys that have tons of talent, but they're rookies, and you never know how they're going to develop. So, if all of the ifs fall to the positive side, that wide receiver room could be devastating. I mean, we could really hurt some people. Um, whereas, if you know Josh has another issue, or Landry gets hurt, or you know, the rookies don't develop for whatever reason. Now we're – I mean, it's not as bad as it was last year where we have the Bryce Treggs of the world coming in off the street and starting four days later. But it's certainly not going to be a positive at that point. I would say if you, if you force me to, to guess, I would say the weaknesses would be the running back room, the pass rush group, and uh, the linebacker group. The, those would be the three strengths uh, of the roster. And I hesitated – ultimately decided not to put the secondary in there because they added a lot of pieces this year. But again, those were six, seventh round picks for other teams and they're all signed to contracts that if you really look at them, they're pretty easy to get out of, which means I don't want to go so far as to say they were taking flyers on these guys, but they're not locking themselves in as the answer, you know, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I went guard and uh strong safety alongside running back, I thought there are three where there's depth, um, there's great starters and just great people on the roster and uh, no if we flip it to the other end the three areas of the biggest weakness and obviously there's still ifs with it
0: right sure uh coaching uh coaching and coaching um (laughs) come on stephen i would say uh at this point left tackle I mean, we're all hoping, like I said, that Desmond nails that down. But at this point, we don't know. It's only been a week. We have no idea. Um, so if he doesn't, if he busts out or just doesn't play well, that's a huge area. Uh, like I just said, there's a lot of unanswered questions in the secondary, um, and I don't know. I don't know if any place else is really considered a weakness because they've got more depth than they have uh, in reason. The interior defensive line, I guess. Um, because, you know, outside of Larry O, Larry O and, uh, and, uh, Coley, I, there's, I mean, you got the guys they picked up on waivers who I like, I like them both, but we don't know who they are yet. We don't know. So the depth there, uh, uh, could probably be considered one of the three, the three weakest spots.
2: Yeah. I had them too. And I've got wide receiver just because I'm one of these until I see it. Um, am I'm, I'm not convinced and, uh, relying on, a. Uh, callaway and gordon not to have a party all year is a uh, right fear when he sat back in a uh, dorsey's office going it was just a roach it was just a roach boss <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's such a shame because as we've all seen when he's out there and he's right there's just i mean he's the miles garrett of the offense he's a freak he's an absolute cyborg um it, it's unfair he was blanketed on, that, on that, uh, that touchdown catch, and it wasn't a particularly great throw, and he just said mine and took it. I mean, he's so good. Um, so the questions with him are th- frustrating for how many years now, five years, however long it's been. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I said, if the ifs fall the wrong way, that wide receiver room could be thrown into serious disarray.
2: So it's ridiculously too early to predict who's going to be our free agents, who we're going to keep, and who we're going to move on. But let's do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: it's it's hard. Dorsey is pretty adamantly putting his stamp on this roster. Um, I think we had a conversation a few weeks ago and said something about anybody from the quote unquote previous administration should rent and not buy. Yep. Um, so it's it's hard I, I, with. Collins, and I know zeidler has got an extra year, but with their contract numbers, I could easily see both of them being gone. Um, the, the issue for me is, outside of maybe a couple of names, I don't really see a lot in the free agent class out there uh, from other teams that we can go out. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking at potential left tackles, I mean, there's, there's really, I mean, DJ Humphreys, maybe. Uh, you know, Donovan Smith in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, there's really not a lot out there. Probably the in a corner, if you could get like a Bradley Roby uh, or if Ronald Darby comes back from his injury and has a big year, those kind of guys, uh, I, I could see that. But other than that, I, I combed through it this morning and there's really not a lot out there. I even looked into 2020 to see if there were guys that maybe would get traded because they're one year left and the team doesn't think they'll come back. So they'd rather get something than nothing. I didn't see much. I don't know if you've seen anything out there, but I don't see a lot. Coming back in the free agent market that really moves the needle for me?
2: I think the one at left tackle that stuck out for me is Trent Brown at the Patriots. Um, had a phenomenal debut. Um, Joe Thomas has been raving about it. He, he did rave about Sean Coleman, so we'll take it with a pinch of salt um, mm-hmm. at first. But uh, if he does have a really good year, um, he could be a, a really interesting addition. Um, I think looking on the roster, Gordon will give another year to. Davis might hang around, Higgins might hang around, BBC will extend, but most of them will move on. Tyrod Taylor, Gaines, Watford, Austin Charles, Robinson, Vitali, Burgess, Coley. We don't really have any free agents of note other than, I'd say, BBC and Gordon, which uh, is a nice position to be in, but also shows it was four years ago in a bad draft. But, uh, hey... There's upsides and downsides, but uh, right, here, yeah. maybe some wide receiver addition or linebacker addition, not your top end, but just some role players. And maybe if someone comes along at defensive tackle or cornerback, I think maybe grab one in there.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with with pretty much everything you said. And with Gordon, my 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 take on Gordon would be this: if I was if I was the Browns front office, and that's how I try to look at a lot of this stuff. People, a lot of people in draft. World, uh, they look at the X's and O's like like our friend Jake Burns. He's really good at the specifics and the coach. He looks at it like a coach. I try to look at it like from a GM standpoint because that's where my mind goes. I always think of it like that. So my take on Gordon would be uh, if he stays well, if he has another relapse, then it makes it easy. But if he stays clean and has the year we think he had, I, for me, one year is not enough. I tag him. For for 2019 and make him prove it again. Do two years in a row, and then if they wanted to, they could be hard asses and tag him twice in a row. And then he's going into his year 30 season, his age 30 season. Um, so you get him for a relatively cheap number for two years. You make him go three years clean, and at that point, that's when he's going to earn whatever contract he's going to earn. Now I think Josh has to know, and his agent needs to be honest with him if he doesn't know this. I don't think he's ever going to get a contract that doesn't include heavy protection language for the team. He's never going to get $40 million guaranteed no matter what. It's just not going to happen, you know, and he did that to himself, and he knows that. He's a big boy. He knows what he did, and, and he has to suffer the consequences of it. But if he goes through the next two years, he's still clean – you can give him a nice contract, you know, give him a three-year deal through his age 33 season and uh, and give him a nice chunk of change and reward him, you know, for what he's done. But for me, one year, uh, if, he, if he has a good year this year, I'm not giving him the big – I'm not giving him the bag after 2018. It's 2019 at the earliest for me if I'm John Dorsey.
2: Well, I think he's a um, – is it restrictive free agent, so we can give him a first-round tender. And if someone wants to uh, come and offer us, say, a first-round pick and then they can uh, – sign him up to a contract and I think unless he has a really good year it might be a risk we can take Um, so uh, we'll see what comes out of it but yeah there's a lot of ways to go with it yeah here's the big question Mm -hmm. it's the moment we're all waiting for got four picks (laughs) in the first three rounds we're not going to ask you players yet because that is too early what's your positions you're taking what's taking your fancy so far
0: well, I mean, like we said earlier, um, the defensive line, the interior and the edge group is really strong, supposedly, this year. I mean, again, it's early, but, you know, I mean, you got all of the guys at Clemson. You got Nick Bosa, you got Jeffrey Simmons, you got Jerry Tillery, you got Greg Gaines, uh, you know, Draymond Jones, uh, you name it. There's a million guys out there. So I would be very surprised if at least one of, if not the first pick, isn't one of the interior defensive linemen. Um, if Desmond doesn't work out, then you have to look at left tackle. Um, and I don't think we're going to be, at least I hope, we're not going to be drafting in a range where uh, Jonah Williams is a possibility. Uh, I think you're looking at more of a Mitch Hyatt, a Bobby Evans, a Greg Little. or There's the kid out of uh, Max uh, Sharping out of uh, Northern Illinois that a lot of people are really excited about, uh, you know, smaller school guy. Um, that's the kind of guys I think we're thinking about at left tackle. And then again, like we've been talking about, they signed a lot of guys in the secondary, but I, I would be, I would be anxious to pair someone with Denzel for the next six to eight years, you know, find a, a Julian love or a, um, um you know ken webster or uh yeah, levante taylor and laverte hill they have size issues uh there's a kid at james madison rashard robinson tay hayes at appalachian state and then there's another guy that i'm curious to see uh jordan miller out at washington lost all of last year to the ankle injury uh but was playing well before that and they're really excited about him next to taylor Rapp out there in the in the husky secondary so i'm very curious he could come from you know unknown to you know day one consideration if he has the kind of year that he's capable of. Those would be the three that I would target for sure at this point.
2: No, I think definitely left tackle, cornerback, defensive tackle, and then I've I've got in there just because if I can find another sort of Mike koseki in the second round, I'd love a second tight end. Um I have play two tight ends. What I'd have given to have Mike Goseki in Njoku for the next ten years. Mm. terrorizing the center of every snap um, would have just been gold. So uh, now if there's one of them in there, I'd love a second, third round, go for someone wild. What about well, you? What's
0: nice about it is at this point, we're not already saying, oh, we desperately have to get, you know, this position. But it's a nice change for us, you know. I mean, we knew, we knew last year quarterback at one, then, then we knew there was going to be an edge, a corner, uh, probably a, a, a lineman and, and maybe a running back. I mean, we knew what the picks – we didn't know who, but we knew where they were going to target. Now it's like I, they could go any number of ways, which is a nice thing. To it's a It's a nice change.
2: When you do your drafts, what's it like now having to sit there and wait for a while while all the top <laughs> talent goes, and you're like, oh, I was hoping he fell, whereas uh, it's not an issue you've had for a little while.
0: Yeah, it's kind of freaking me out not to have the first pick in every round. You know, you just – you root for your guy. You're watching the simulator. You root for him to wait last to the end of the round, and you're like, yeah, you made it. And then you start the next round, and you go, ah, crap. I got 10 more picks.
1: We're also going to miss out on two first-round picks this year.
0: Yeah, what the hell is that all about? Yeah. I talked to the guys at Fanspeak. They swear that we only have one. I don't know what's going on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's your what is- prediction, Paul? If if I gave you the first three, uh, first three rounds, what for – positions you're looking at Um, I'll
1: go with left tackle they seem to hold their value as well maybe can trade with them if one of them doesn't work out then potentially centre Uh, defensive tackle and then another cornerback very safe mature options I think
2: yeah I was was expecting from you something like running back linebacker um, and just some like bizarre mix of Punter, kicker. P- a punter, yeah.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> um lineback room, Collins if I don't know, maybe in the end of the year maybe gets let go traded or whatever. So I don't know, maybe a a linebacker there. We lost Kendricks. Uh, I think we may have left we've got obviously Avery plays kind of in between, but
2: I I I think we might end up passing on um sort of some of this top defensive end talent for the pure reason of our three defensive end rotation could be Garrett, Ogba and Avery by the middle of the season. And I mm-hmm. think if you're going into with next season with all them three, yeah, you could add one later on, but I don't think it's something you end up doing in the top few rounds. Or there's been the idea floated. You move Ogba to uh, three-tech, Ogunjobe at um, one-tech, and then have Avery and uh, Garrett on the edges. So
0: who knows? Yeah, I it You know, because we were fans of uh, of Jannard early on, and his his strength at this point in his development is the is the edge rush. I mean, he can do the all the rest of the linebacker stuff, but it's not currently his strength. So at least for this year, now why not put him out there at least in a lot of packages and have him and Miles collapse on either side? Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's a lot of ways they could go. You're right. Yeah. And you know, so much of it, like we said at the top, depends on what happens the next 15 games. Uh, did you uh, predict Avery to be doing so well? Oh, I loved him. I, I desperately wanted him. I just, throughout the process, I, I kept seeing him in the fifth round and the sixth round in my head, it just didn't match the tape. I was like, this guy's. there's no way he's gonna last that long. And that was about where I thought we would be looking and shopping in the linebacker section of the draft store. And so I figured he'd be long gone. But him or or, um, Oren Burks, who ended up in uh, in Green Bay, I I really wanted those guys on day three. I knew he was going to be a pass rush monster right off the top. The rest of his development still remains to be seen. But if he can become a great pass rusher and that's all he ever is, well, then move him there. Who cares? You know what I mean? Those guys are so rare. And to find one on day three – would be an absolute steal. I wanted to circle back for a second, though. You you brought up center. It's an interesting thing because Treader uh, is one of those previous administration acquisitions that we were talking about earlier, and his contract is not, you know, it's not awful, but I can see how they would want to move away uh, from that. And uh, keep an eye on uh, the guy from the kid from Notre Dame, uh, Mustafer, uh, as a center. He just eats people sometimes. Um, and he's doing it this year without, obviously, the two guys – that were to his left the last couple of years, so that that's a guy to keep an eye on uh, as far as a center.
2: Well, and there's been the other rumor of possibly Corbett moving to center, so uh, that could be one we see. But uh, here, here's the big question: we're o o and one. What is the final win total for the Browns?
0: Um, I'm going to say five. Uh, I think six is a realistic ceiling if they get some bounces to start going their way. Um, I understand where people are coming up with the eight and eight, you know, nine and seven optimism, but everything would have to go perfect. Like everything would have to go perfectly in my opinion for that to happen. And when was the last time that happened for us? So realistically, I'm thinking they should win five or six games. You throw in the hue factor for the whole year. Who knows? Three, I mean, really, it's that bad. And then the the frustrating part, the most frustrating part of it is, you look at what the defense did when they were allowed to against Pittsburgh. When they weren't 20 yards off in a shell, when they weren't having an 11-yard cushion on third and three, when they weren't dropping Miles freaking Garrett into coverage on third down. Oh, my God, I screamed at my television so much. They, were, they have a chance to be really, really good if they're allowed to be. And for long stretches of that game, they weren't allowed to be. And it's so frustrating. Um, so my long-winded – if you force me right now, I would say a 5-10-1 probably. Interesting. Jack, very similar to yourself.
2: Yeah, well, I, I didn't predict the draw at the start of the season, but I did predict five wins. So, uh, no, I, th- yeah. I think that's where it will be. I think we've got about an eight and eight roster, but then when you look at schedule and Hugh Tax, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. about five wins is roughly where it comes out at.
0: Yeah, we've got a uh, especially here at the beginning because because of the rain, Ben missed a lot of throws that were on the table this past week, and in the dome, Drew Brees is not going to miss those this week. I would love to be as optimistic as I see some people out there being, but I really think Drew could hang thirty plus. Uh, on this defense and that's not saying it's a bad defense it's just he's that freaking good and he's pissed off so you know this could be a long week coming up here Mm. and
1: steve this is a question we ask all our guests Mm -hmm. we're looking for a very 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 hot take for the browns this season
0: (laughs) god uh, how do you get hotter than 131 and one um (laughs) Okay, uh, we've been sort of touching on, uh, you know, the the previous administration player stuff. Here's, you want to get super hot? Um, I actually, this part isn't hot. I expect there to be a trade or a move before the trade deadline. Dorsey's itching to make a move with this roster. The guy that could be moved could be Peppers. There's a hot take for you right there. Ooh. Um, because he was, when he was picked, I mean, if you remember the run-up to the draft, where does he play? You know, he, he was one of those guys without a Position, you know, I think where they have him now is the the rover, you know, safety linebacker hybrid, whatever. There's a lot of words for it. I think that's where he's best. But I don't know that Dorsey is a guy who likes that kind of guy in his roster. He likes guys with with defined roles. So, you know, he's a previous administration pick. He was a quote unquote questionable pick at the time. So you want to get super hot. Peppers is gone before the trade line, trade cool. deadline.
2: Ouch. Yeah, I, I, I can understand how it, it's actually a really, really good take. But you're probably going to see if that happens some uh, serious ranting again from me offering a uh, Dorsey <laughs> up for trade offers. Um, because I think he's the perfect player if you're going to have Greg Williams. If Greg Williams is saying you need three linebackers, it's sort of the way you can go, Greg, he can play linebacker. And then you can sneak him on the field as one of the three linebackers and sort of fool him into playing actually a nickel package. So, uh, no, um, it, it, it does worry me. It's like all these players that basically anyone but Garrett is any offer, and he'd probably get rid of them just because they were the previous regime. It's a shame. but uh, It is what it is.
0: And I'm with you on Peppers, too. I'm not saying – I don't want anybody to think I'm saying I want him gone or I think he should be gone, but you asked me to get hot, and uh, that's (laughs) that's about as hot as I can get. No, Stephen, thank you. We like it hot. We like bold, outrageous
1: claims. Well, I do anyway.
2: (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) – thank you so much for joining us. Where can people go and find you on Twitter?
0: Uh, it's easy at Brown's mock draft. It's always there. I'm always saying something silly about one thing or another at Brown's mock draft. Um, I do the the daily draft. Uh, you know, I come on with you guys and uh, any Brown's fan uh, who wants to join the the fun. You're all welcome. Thanks for having me on guys. I, had a, I always have fun interacting with you guys online. It was great to finally hook up and be able to, uh, to talk to you.
1: Great. And, um, when does your first uh, tr- uh,
0: mock draft go up? Uh, it went up uh, on Monday, the 10th. So today, as of the time we're recording this, uh, when we're done, I will go on do do uh, day three. And I've pinned it all to the top of my profile, and I'm going to try to keep the entire thing in one long thread from now until April for easy reference for people. So if you go to At Brown's Mock Draft, it's pinned to the top of the profile. Right now there's two, and I'll put up the third one here uh, shortly.
2: Yeah, and it's it's not just a master of uh, mock drafts. His gift game is amazing. So uh, make sure you uh, give him a follow because it's always entertaining. Whatever happens in the world, you will always get a smile out of something that's happened on this side.
0: Well, we got if we don't laugh, we'll cry, right? We're Browns fans. We got to learn to laugh at everything. All right, excellent. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks for having me on, guys. Go Browns.
1: Change is coming!